Hey up everyone. Um back for another man in the van. Uh what's this? Episode 13. I haven't told um the man I'm just about to speak to, Josh Spinks, yet that this is episode 13. I hope he's not superstitious or anything. Anyway, uh, I'm out my travels this time. So man in the van, I'm in the camper van this time. Um I'm currently sat at Appledore, lovely place, North Devon, but enough about my holly bobs. Let's um let's get the very man on the screen right here and now. Here he is, he's been there he is, Salom, Josh Jinks. Now, Josh, first and foremost, tell me what you've been doing today because you've been um, you've been doing a bit of like, uh, well, not, I wouldn't say health and safety, but we, we tried to get this done last night, but you couldn't do it. But today, you've been doing a first aid course, is that right? Yeah, just renewing the first aid course because um, I do a lot of coaching now, obviously with a younger generation, which I've been doing for a few years. So, yeah, just got the first day course done today. It's actually stretched out over about six hours. It wasn't all that exciting, but you've you just got to have it. You never know when you're going to need it. So, got that done, passed it, away we go. I'm laughing because I've done one. And um, did you have to do did you have to do the whole thing with the – got the prosthetic doll where you got to do the whole um, mouth-to-mouth thing, haven't you? Did you yeah, still have to do that? Yeah. It's actually interesting now because of the COVID situation. It's a bit more health and safety. You have to put like a little protective film over it. Um, you can't work with the other people in the class like you probably would usually. Obviously, you, you run past choking and all that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit different as it was the last time I did it. Um, but yeah, like you say, just jumping up and down on the chest and doing all these things that are really important. So that was. I would. Uh, was, did you get picked to do it or do you all have to do it? Because I think when I did it, not everybody had to do it, but I was like first hand in the air because I thought, yeah, I, I thought that'd be pretty cool. Because um, um, I don't, you know. Yeah, no, it's just we all did it at the same time, basically. It was in a, quite a big room. There's only five of us. So we had the distance in, around the room and we all just got involved together. Sort of thing. The actual teacher um, was a road bike rider as well. So that always helps when you, got, you can have a little bit of a chat about different things. Yeah stuff you're interested in so he was quite chilled out and fun guy so it wasn't as boring as perhaps it could have been that makes sense well you like you said you've got to do it you know because you're doing the coaching thing let's we'll get on to that in a minute so just remind me um i should know this but i'm not a nerdy commentator that writes down notes on everybody in fact i don't write notes at all ever mm. um i never get prepared to do any of these but that's part of it i always want to try and teach of these conversations like we just met in a pub and just getting to know each other etc so how old are you now i'm 27 actually uh 28 in a couple of weeks time so, right so yeah, 27 man. years ago that's no well yeah <laughs> oh yeah you're anderson i think i've got 10 years left or so but you've yeah, got plenty of time left um yeah, you're still you're still just a little bambino, really. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're doing the, the training and, and coaching. Now, is this something that you know? Because some people just just don't really think too far ahead. I know, like mm-hmm. it's an income, arguably for you to keep your racing going or whatever. But coaching for a, a lot of people that are pursuing a, um, let's be honest, you know, you are pursuing a, a British Championship and an MX National. You love to win races, love to win a title. You're not just out there to make up the numbers. So you've consciously thought of of getting into coaching now rather than just, say, 
like, oh, I'll do that when, when my career's over. What's the reasoning for that? Was it initially to just generate more money or is it just something that you kind of fell into? Um, I'd say I more fell into it, actually. Um, I've had to work all the way from leaving school, uh, whether it's just part-time bar work. My dad had a fourth bar in the village where I grew up, so I worked there and I went on to beauty clothing. So I've always had to work. Um, I've always been pushed by, by my parents to do that. Um, sort of earn my means and they've, they've always been part-time jobs so I've got the time to practice and, and race and all these things so I think it was in 2016 I started coaching and that was simply someone come to me I had no intention of doing it someone on a little auto rider that I was getting quite friendly with his dad in the, in the paddock and he said oh well you can this one day I'll cover your practice fee and just give him a few tips that any of it um, and I took to it well I, our relationship was good. He was happy with the tips I was given. And then he'd recommend a friend and say, oh, and he joined next week. And it kind of just snowballed, really. Um, you know, there wasn't much need for advertising. It's kind of built, 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 built. And even now, I don't really advertise, but I'm, I'm really busy with it. Really busy. So where are you, you know, without giving away your exact home address, of course, where you're based, you know, you're in a good catchment area as well, I would imagine. You know, you're, you're somewhere in the sort of Midlands, aren't you? Yeah, Leicestershire, so yeah, in the middle. So yeah, basically, when people ask me, you know, have you got tracks locally? We probably have to travel towards an hour, maybe an hour and a half, but there's probably ten to fifteen tracks. So we're right yeah. in the hospital, which is good. We've got plenty of options. Obviously, fat cats in Doncaster. That's yeah. about half, and then we've got VIP, some places a little bit further. Down. Yeah, it's a great place for it and for the tourism as well. So, you know, I mean, obviously you've got, now let's, let's talk about racing because for, for me, you know, I heard your name, I, you know, I, I sort of don't, you know, but for me, you just kind of, I heard your name up to it, but not enough about you. And then I can't, remember, I can't remember what year it was. That's why I should really do research for things like this. Um, there was one, yeah, there was sort of one year you just sort of really burst onto the scene from that I'd heard your name you know I'd seen it in results up to that point but never really seen you at any sort of what I would call nationals or or, or big races really and then you sort of arrived on the scene and pretty impressively from from the get-go so what you what year did you sort of st was that you started doing for example that like the British and MX nationals put like proper with a serious effort at it? yeah so probably Seriously, it was when Verdi first picked me up, Verdi Force KTM, which was 2015. And that was a, that gave me a lot of confidence that year. One, because it gave me a good bike. And for the first time, I had a set-up bike that I had confidence with. So, and I started pulling whole shots. The bike was fast. It was a 450 KTM. I think the first round of the year, it might have been an AX National, but um, I can't remember where it was. The track will come back to me in a moment. Sure. Pulling, pulling Yes, I think Sherwood was one where you, I seem to remember yeah, well, you. That was only a couple of years ago, I think that was, or maybe yeah. even last year. But yeah, 2015, I got a good opportunity, you know, the, the ride was paid for, um, didn't have to stress too much, I had my little job on the side, I had a good bike, and I started leading some races and spent some good lap time. I think it was at Blacksaw Pits, actually, uh, where I pulled a whole shot there, or four qualifying, I was on the outside and pulled a whole shot. And for the first two laps, I just, just went as fast as I've ever been on a bike. And I matched the same pace on lap times as Simpson and Frotton. 
And like, you know, on the same second, everyone else, Watley, Anderson, you name it, the, the field of stat that year, two seconds of that slow on time. But I obviously dropped the anchor out and it's six, I think it was in the end. Uh, but that, yeah, 15 for me, I think it just gave me some confidence that I, I probably haven't got the fitness, I haven't got the race craft quite yet, or the knowledge how to race these guys, but I can go as fast as them. And, and I think from then, I've, I've proved that each year here and there, maybe not consistently, but I've managed to prove that. So when did you first get the bug for it? You know, how did how did it all how did it all come about? Even you know, how did you get into this this sport? Um, I suppose quite a standard way. Like my pet, my dad. Sorry, used to race sort of AMC. That was a big thing a few years ago. Most people raced under that organisation, and then he went to Endura, like a British level Endura. So he knew how to ride a bike. Um, um, I think I was three years old on a PW50, just got me on it, and away we went, sort of thing. My uncle. Used to ride as well. My grandma's always been into sort of road bikes, so just that sort of family where it was always going to happen. One of those things. Just what? And then, so when did you actually start racing? Was your was your parents? Was your dad like you know? And your parents one of the, the type that would go well, you know, understood that the longevity of it and didn't get you. You know, was you starting racing quite young, or did you just bomb about in fields and wasteland or yeah. whatever until you really got into? It? I think I, as soon as I was six years old, I don't know if the age is still the same for the minimum age to race, but yeah, I was six years old, so I think it was a straight in. Um, not to have a big story, but I remember bawling my eyes out. I didn't want to. I got to the race and I <laughs> sat in the back of the van, and the, uh, the guys that won the event, CGMA, had to give me a trophy before I span a wheel to get me out. There was a bit of a bribe. I just remember that, you know, that first race, once I got that out of the way, it was game on then it was just I got the book for it I actually won my first race because there was only two autos in it and one of them was my friend from school Jack Jones's name <laughs> that's awesome so you won your first race but you already had a trophy before you went out anyway so you know whatever I was laughing through that because um I relate to that 100% I um yeah first not first couple of races but the similar th- kind of thing I was a national at Lawn Abbey and I just I'd never seen a hill like it that's that it's like 1981 yeah. And I, I hid, I hid in the boot of the car, and nobody could find me for about two hours. Oh, um, because I was in the back. Yeah, of the I, I, I hid behind the cool box. I hid behind the cool box in the boot of the car, and it wasn't until my brother went to get a sandwich, mm. saw my feet sticking out, um, and that was it. So I, I know what it's like to be petrified when you start, but, um, but obviously it gets, it gets you done it once you get going. Yeah, and here you are. 27 still still at it yeah and sometimes you you can be so nervous before a race but when you actually the gate drops it, you know it's just, or even when the 15 second ball goes up or the flag waves or whatever you just you haven't got time to be worried anymore ever you just kind of settle into it and what you got to do it's a good feeling is that what you're doing now how i guess guys that was what i was going to ask you obviously how do you cope now with nerves at races do you still get do you still get them or you got it in check now age 27 um I class it as nerves. I don't. I know a lot of people struggle to eat on race days, or you know, feel um, sick or stuff like that. I've never had that, but you run through your mind, obviously, how you want the race to go. You try and envision that. Some things might creep that you don't want to that cause a bit of nerves and panic and worry and all the rest of it. But generally, I think I'm quite relaxed. And chilled. If it matters to you, if it means something, I think you should get nervous. Definitely. Yeah missing that then you're just there for a, for a crack really 
Uh, you, you sound very similar. We've got a lot in common. I was, I was the same. Um, yeah. Pretty chilled out. But like you said about the eating thing, yeah, mm. I, I, it didn't stop me. Didn't <laughs> stop. Wait, yeah, wait, if anything, I think I've got to get some fuel. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Uh, and when the racing ends, look out. I, yeah. yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to chase a horse and eat it. Yeah, full on. <laughs> yeah. uh, so obviously, so, so you came, you came through youth ranks. So were you, you know, I don't. This is where this is the thing. I started mm -hmm. seeing your name, obviously, as you're getting more towards when you burst into the adult scene. Maybe because I just didn't follow youth youth racing and stuff coming through as much. So, how was your youth career? Was it, you know, did you have a relative amount of success, or were you just sort of always on on the cusp of of you know being there? Like, who was the names that you used to race your your year? I'm trying to think who else would be in your year racing. So, uh I was always um, really close to Sam Davis, like back and forth um, with race wins. I used to win. I've, I've won two BSMA national championships, one in 2005, one in 2007. Uh, we used to do the BY, which is the British championship. And one year, I think it was 2007, me and Sam was back and forth. We probably had an equal amount of race wins. Um, I had a bike problem. He probably had a bike problem, but he got the championship in the end. Um, but there was nothing between us. So, yeah, I've got a couple of national level championships to the name. Um, the first one came on a small wheel in 2005, and then the second one came in 2007, last year on the 85 big wheel. Um, yeah. Before then, I went straight pretty much to a 250. Yeah. But I used to race um, Elder Fields. It was obviously mixed with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just gone, so that was probably better with him and a catch up because we all know how talented he was. I, I beat him a couple of times, but it took him to either have a really bad race, a bike problem, <laughs> or a crash because he was back, sort of thing. But yeah, they were the sort of big names. Um, there used to be, it was called the Warrells as well, Richie and Phoebe Warrell. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember them. And even like Josh Waterman. You know, he's a little bit older than me. Uh, Luke Hawkins. We had, we had a looking back, we had a really strong group of riders. Hutchinson's. There was two of them. Yes, I was just going to say that. Now, this is this. People watching this can see probably by my facial expression. See, this is now it. I'm. It's all coming back to me now, <laughs> and I'm genuinely starting to feel quite old because I'm going to ask this question. I think. I'm, so you, I don't know if you raced it, but I'm going to ask it. So did you? when it sort of first started was, was did you do the very very early red bull pro national round still in youth or not no no i think that was a little bit after the only red bull i've done is 2013 and 2015 i think it was so i was on a 450 then, but i can't remember doing the youth stuff. Um, the, the, the reason i say that because when i when i was at motor magazine we did a feature on i think it was before it became before Red Bull sponsored it, they did like a, a season before that, and there was a big yeah. race at Matchams, and we we focused on like the youth racing, and it was the first time um, that we'd ever put like uh, a youth youth riders on the cover on the cover. Like people didn't used to do that then, and I seem to th I, I seem to think that you might have been there. we racing with Sam that day, but I might be getting you confused. I think. Um, it, um, do you remember what the was name? the name? Ask me this. Sorry. What was the name? of Oh, it was Jack Jack Rowe? Was he younger than you? Yeah, Jack was one year younger than me, but I I definitely raced yeah. him on an eighty five. Um, yeah, and that's the, the BYMX. Do you remember the KWS series? 
No, ah, right. See, yeah. so I knew I've, I've heard, I knew I've heard your name somewhere. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. So the KWS series, I was racing that on, like you say, sixty-five with Sam Davis and, and riders like that. What year would that would be when you was on a sixty-five? Uh, maybe like oh two, oh three. Right. Yeah. Before that, I raced that. Did you, did you ever ride a KWS at uh, Donington Park? They had one at Donington Park. Yeah. Yeah. Can you remember that? No. Yeah. That was two thousand three. Dobby, Dobby rode in it. Not long, obviously, like it. He was, yeah. you know, still after his. Not long after his success of being world title. They used to have uh, Dobby, Sordi, uh, even Pit Byron, Crockard, like yeah, turn up, wouldn't it? Turn so up. as you can see, you see, so it's, it, I see, it's, it is genuinely all coming back to me now. I, I can't mm. remember you at all as a, as a rider, as a kid, but mm. I would have ridden at least one or two of those rounds and you would have been there. So I would have been in the pros and you'd have been a 65 rider. Shit. I feel old. (laughs) Me too. You know, I was that. I think it hits us both really thinking right about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, right. I'd, I'd call, I'd say just from personal experience, like 27, you're in and around the, the, realms now of age as a motocross rider i think of where you kind of where it sh- where things kind of you got a little bit of everything going on so you're still you know like obviously hopefully if injuries haven't really got the better of you it, you know you're still in good physical condition as in regards of fitness you know and all that kind of stuff but you're not wet behind the ears either you know you've got by this point a bit of experience and 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 all that and starting to learn a bit more not just what the sport's about but what you're about you know because sometimes genuinely when you're in your early 20s you're you're enthusiastic you've got all these plans and visions and stuff like that but you get some knockbacks and they're they're hard to take because you you've never really had them so now Mm. now you've had them you know and because you are on the comeback you know literally like we didn't see hardly any of you last year really did we you know because of well explain that because you've been off of or was it the tail end of last year that you missed i can't um, remember i only managed um i think it was three races last year one yeah i knew Hawks- we didn't see much yeah one was hawkston international then it was uh an mx nationals at sherwood which might be the one you're thinking of I finished second behind kula there that was on the that was- yeah and then uh I-, I just thought i've never done a gp before so we entered mx1 at Matley Basin, and uh, I mean, free practice I was about 30th, maybe something like that. Then time practice I was a little bit better, 27th or something like that. Then we went out for the qualifying race, and I got a re- like a reasonable start. I was 15th, 16th, which held the position. I think I dropped a couple, but I was almost quite comfortable in 18th place. And then uh, just off the front, I don't know if I was pushing a bit hard or whatever, but the front went put my leg down and it, it broke my ankle. Um, not too complicated, but one of them that put me out for nearly three months or something, two, three months. And then um, so I didn't rush back to the races. I just got back into practice and just curling myself up. And there's a little track near me where I just went for a couple of hours and this very small triple. It's almost, almost like a BMX jump. If I had a run up on a BMX, I'd have a go. And I come up short, but I think split second decision. I took the weight off the bad one, recovering one, Put it on my other side and managed to fracture that one. So <laughs> it's just silly, silly thing. And yeah, after that, I thought I'm not rushing back. 
I'd probably make it for the last two rounds. But, it, well, there's a big story to it. Right? It's better for me to not race and just get things ready for this year, basically. Well, that's a smart move. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. That yeah. that is exactly what I'm talking about. You you know, you're a bit older, and you've you've been through probably a couple of moments or more where you have rushed back, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it makes you just think about it a bit more. Now you've said that again. You see, my <laughs> my memory's worse than I thought. Um, but I obviously saw your post. When you got and you had like to like exercise the demons because you you went back. Mm. I remember seeing your Instagram post. I'm sure it was an Instagram post where you're like, I busted out the triple today, and you've that that little one that you've just spoke about. But it, the little yeah. things though, it gets in your head, and you That's was right. a little bit nervy going back, and yet you know it's a tiny little triple, and yet you st it still got in your head a little bit until you busted it out. It's mad, yeah, isn't it? It took me at least 10 minutes of the first session and uh just yeah it's, it's a time that we're doing think about it, it's like a second lap thing but i just i don't know i just didn't hit it but then i, I finished the session the wall session and i just went to the back of the van and i thought no like if i don't hit it now it's just gonna bother me all day so i just went straight back on the track first i did it went back to the van and then that was it then sweet no problem so regards to, you, you know, what you've been riding and where you're at now, I mean, you've, you know, so you've had some, you seem very accomplished now and comfortable on, on a on a 450. You know, if you had a choice, if, I mean, if anybody, let's just say if somebody, I don't know, if you had a choice of riding anything you wanted, would it be a 450 over a 250? Um, you know, I, I dropped down onto the 250 in 2017 and 2018. But that's when I could do the uh, few rounds of the EMX, which I've yeah. experience there. Um, and I really, really enjoyed riding the 250 because it brought a little bit more aggression. And I found the races were funner because everyone had a, a little bit more energy. There's a lot more intensity, especially riding with the young lads like Jet Lawrence and all these sort of people. Um, yeah. But now I think I've, I've had that period because I actually went up to a 450 at a young age. I was only 17. So I feel like I lost a little bit of that 250. I've had the two years, a few some podiums, British Championship and the EMX, and I kind of just left it there. Then. And I think it's made me a better 450 rider because I think to get the most out of a 450, you, you have to get a combination of smooth riding style, which is easy for me. I've always had that. But then the aggression where you can, where you can get the power down, get it, get it out sort of thing. So I think it's given me a balance now to get more out of the 450 than before them two years on the 250 if that makes sense so i stick on a 450. yeah i'll stick on a 450. yeah i don't i mean results are starting to prove it and from the outside looking in last couple of years i mean you're very unfortunate last year with the knee injuries but it, it seems like you've kind of um you know you, you've got yourself in a position as well where you've got some good people behind you um you know like like paul grimshaw um you know like obviously you didn't really get a chance to do what you need to do this year but you've come back um sorry last year but you've come back this you know this year and the results are you know looking pretty good obviously notably last mx nationals last time out um at cusses you know a, a solid solid performance you know that, that you know because you are you know you're racing obviously tommy who's we all know his background you, you know nickel i mean it's, it's a stacked out class yeah and 
you know, you, you're in there in the in the top five and arguably in a position where, you know, you could you could even better that. So you must be. Are you, are you happy with how the comebacks going at this point? Are you, are you kind of on schedule? Did you even have a plan in your head, or were you just going to like see see where it goes? Not not too much expectation. Yeah, I think um, how can I put this? Basically, I know because of what happens. I looked at the the lineup and I thought, you know what, this is now the British Championship. Minus Sean Simpson, you know, I don't want to miss anyone's name, but you may Elliot Banks Brown. Um, yeah, there's probably four or three riders that aren't there that would be in the British Championship. So you look at the the sort of list of riders, and in my head, I thought, right, coming back, just get inside that top ten. That's a good start, and and build from there. So it's kind of gone to plan. I mean, I was just—I was a bit gutted at Hawks then, but I—I I think I know. I can see why I struggled because I haven't raced for eighteen months, um, and we all know what Hawks then was like. You know, it, it, I just didn't feel comfortable. I didn't ride how I can do, so I left there. Off, I wasn't happy with that at all. I think it was like twelve overall or something. So although it was close to my goal, I thought I did not ride anywhere near where I could. So then Landry, again, the first race, a little bit of trouble, but the second race, well, I, I think I just missed out on a fifth, was it, or fourth? I think I think I finished yeah. fifth. Um, so I was thinking, right, well, that's improved pretty quickly. Happy with that. And then at Custard, it went forward again. You know, I was battling. I had probably the pace of the third place in that race one. Um, with a comfortable top five, and then yeah, the second race was pretty much the same. So basically, yeah, it's got it's gone to plan. It's gone to plan. Yeah, I mean, when you I, know, I think that like, for me, you know, talking about what you just said there, I think the the Landrake performance was probably the the one that not 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 so much the last one, you know, last time out of Cusses, like I said, but it was the Landrake one where it looked like something kind of click like you're like you 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 back up there and you like again yeah. you didn't get the exact results you wanted but for a large chunk of the race the speed the speed was there you know mm -hmm. and I, I remember you know and i think it was the second motor in particular we were calling it quite a lot on commentary how you how well you were going and coming through you know like looking looking yeah. back to that kind of speed that you know like the rent like the event you just spoke about you know like um when we was back at Sherwood and all that, you know, it's like, okay, it looks like he's, he's starting to, it's all starting to click back into place now. So yeah, yeah. So you've got to be pleased with that. So, I mean, do you do that? Is, are you a rider that, that genuinely, everybody wants to win. I know this, this is bizarre. It's a stupid question to ask, but I ask it anyway, because it's stupid, but not everybody wants to do the best they can and, and win. Otherwise you're not a racer, aren't they? But are you one of those ones that genuinely, look at each race coming up and where you're at and setting targets or is it all about i'm just going to go there i'm not going to put expectation and just do you thrive on delivering a, a performance over a result if you see what i mean it's yeah about... yeah it's all about i judge my race on how i felt on the bike so if i felt awesome that i had a crash you know first turn and that's come back from the back but I rode loosely you know enjoyed the racing didn't pump up with my arms because that's something that controls my race a lot of the time as it does with many riders but yeah I, I just get to the end and think did I 
ride my best there or was something holding me back and that's that's how I base it I'm not really chasing any results we all want to win we want the best results possible but for me it's the feeling on the bike and I, I have to enjoy myself when I'm riding otherwise I just get a bit upset yeah yeah I, t- I again totally can totally relate to that so what is you know I mean like I said 27 is a is if you go on not everybody's the same you know people's careers finish and end earlier than others but all that kind of stuff but you know you got ando is an example going on still racing you know into his was he was he 40 now something like that is he i don't know he must be close to it knocking on 40 definitely you know got caroli mid 30 you know although that's a lot of gps and whatever so really you know keeping yourself in shape or whatever you, you know you still you still got a good number of years six mm-hmm. seven more maybe more to to be a real a real front end rider to, is that is there a long term goal with with that or is it is it literally you take one year at a time i mean because you i suppose when you're coming through you're going to go right i'm going to do several years in the 250 class and i'm going to do this and that but now you're in the mx1 class in the uk what i mean by that is are, are you going to stick still stick and focus to the uk or is there aspirations to go and maybe try and do some mxgp races etc um i think it's a year by year thing truthfully um you know deals are they're quite hard to come by i've got a really good one at the moment with pgvm we're getting on really well we're enjoying ourselves at the races there's a lot of fun involved we're bouncing off each other it's working we're getting the results it's working so uh, you know he's happy to go next year as it stands at the moment, so am I. Um, if it changes for one of us, like throughout next year, and we have that chat and it doesn't make sense to go again, then you just weigh your options up. It basically needs, it needs to make sense to me as a rider. You know, I don't I don't want to, I haven't got the money to pile into it myself. It's as simple as that. So the help support needs to be there. Um, but it's this whole enjoyment thing. You know, I've been, Years gone past, I probably lost that slightly. I maybe took it a bit too seriously myself. And uh, sometimes you just question yourself why, you know, why you're putting so much into it for, at times, not very much back. Um, so it's a year by year thing. And I might say this whole coaching and business that I'm running, um, I want to continue to grow that because I see a future for that. You know, yeah, a future for that. So I'm, I'm getting this. It's a balance. It really is a balance at the moment. It's not a bad balance. I'm never complain about it um but i don't ride full time because i'm putting equal amounts of time into to my business and doing something else that i enjoy as well um that's it though now i mean that like i said switched on switched on with that yeah so that so that's cool so you kind of, kind of got that to fall back on and i know you're passionate about it because um your name cropped up on the last live dirty talk show that we did in the week uh right. where we were discussing the transition of you know, British riders, where are we going with it? Um, obviously, all very well racing in the UK, but, you know, are, are we are we good enough to develop riders to, to become uh, world-class? And then, you, you know, your, your name popped up on the screen, on the comments. Uh, so, first of all, thanks for tuning in. Secondly, for um, for getting involved. Yeah. So, let's just sort of briefly talk about that. So, you know, you, you then posted up a few other... Um, comments and opinions on it after the show which i've seen have been uh reposted on some you know other, other websites and whatnot so you know you're obviously passionate about trying to develop 
youth talent, not just coaching them as as a whole, as a sport? You think that's very important? I think it's just it is a concern. We can all see. Again, I don't want to call people out or go into it too much, but we can. I can see a decline definitely over the last you know couple of years. Start numbers and even like down to tracks. That's what gets brought up quite a lot. Is maybe the the repeat tracks that we're using. You know, through different championships, and you can't help but notice that the, the tracks we haven't got maybe the choice that we did, like with Matchams and you know Donnings and Park. And, uh, sorry, what was the one? Mallow Park, and it's all going yeah. a bit. You know, it's all going the wrong way slightly. Um, and everyone, everyone's got their opinion about it. Some people say practice tracks are too expensive, and you know, I try to just put out there what I thought, but I purposely said at the start, I don't, I don't know figures. Like this is basically just what I mm. believe or see into it, and I could be wrong. And I'll hold my hands up if I'm wrong. But yeah, I just put out there basically what I thought, and ask for people what they thought, and it got a bit of a discussion going, and there's some quite interesting things that come out of it. Um, I think that's very easy to do on social media now because everyone's got an opinion and a, and a keyboard and a screen and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing getting people talking um, in general. And, you know, not that you can start a movement. I think I don't think it's a bad thing for the riders to get involved a little bit more. I wish that maybe the championships you know how to do it, like get riders together at the event and just have a bit of feedback. Let's have a sit yeah. down with Marky and, and this is our plan for next year. What do you riders and teams think about it? And just back and forth it there. Like, why not? Some good things might come out. Some answers might get, uh, sorry, questions might get answered. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So have you ever had a, have you ever, ever had a moment as a coach, I'm sure you probably would have done, where you're there teaching a, a, a young kid or, or even if you're at a race and a young kid comes up, you ask for your autograph and all that and it, have you had one of those, I won't say epiphany moment, but a moment when you've gone, God, I can, I can remember being that kid and then remembering the influence that when you looked up to some of your racing heroes and met them, the influence it had on you? Yeah. Have you ever, have you had that at any point, you know, where you're like, yeah, I, I can, I know what it's like. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Like I say, people, the, the kids are, I don't know, they're, they're very, a lot of the, kids I coach now are very confident and I, I remember being quite sort of shy when I was younger. I wasn't very approaching to certain people but there's definitely people that I work with seem to warm to me um, and and sort of very confident around. But like I say, it does spark a little bit of that. I remember I went on a coaching day with Stefan Everett of all people when he when he finished his career and started out with KTM and uh, the dealers put forward a few riders to go and join the set Tony Motor. And, uh, yeah, I just, because I've always been interested in, in him because of, obviously, how successful he was for one, but his unique riding style and my dad was always saying, look how he does this. And, yeah, I just remember being, the first time I was face-to-face with him, it was one of those moments, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty cool when that happens. So, yeah, you're yeah. going to have a load of that coming your way if you keep going, keep doing what you're, what you're doing. I mean, I'm looking forward to see where you go from here. Um, not you know just for the rest of the year. Fingers crossed. I'm not superstitious. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I've done it now. Um, that we get across the line. Obviously, with the the last MX Nationals round. Um, obviously, a shame that the Bridgestone Battlecross um, 
obviously uh, you know they couldn't they couldn't run that and that was a real disappointment i was looking forward to that and of course the amca championship whatever so we're still in we're still in difficult times clearly um but hopefully you'll be able to um keep this little this little resurgence of momentum going you know and um but then you've got to keep it going through an off season because <laughs> we don't even you know because that's we, oh, incredibly we're already near the end of a season um but on a whole, you got you know, like I said, it sounds like you got a good backer, and you're already sort of making plans for for, for next year. So, and you at least you're switched on with the you know, like wanting to do something outside of that to stay in the game and and earn a bit of money and and put back into the sport. So, sounds yeah. like sounds like in, everything's in a good place at the minute. It seems. Yes, and I think that's so important for a rider, and each individual is different as well. So. I rely on a bit of a plan. I'm one of these annoying people that likes to see where they're going, <laughs> you know, what's ahead of them, they can plan for it and and all these things. So it's a good position. very good position. I say Paul PGBN's been so so good this year. I know we've only managed a few races through the circumstances, but you know, he's really excited about the results because he's newer to it all as well and it's happened quite quickly. We're, we're right in the thick end of it. Um, and he's showing a lot of interest for next year and excited and how can we improve things, what can we do. It's just everything you could ask for as a rider, really. There's no pressure. Um, he understands my business. He knows that I'm not full-time with this and he's just fine with that. Um, he encourages it. So no one's dictating what I should and shouldn't do. And that's important for me, really, because I've had that before. And uh, it doesn't go well. Because I just feel like I know how I work and what I need and all these things. And it's, yeah, it's looking great. I'm excited going into next year already. That's good. It's that, you know, that's the that's the kind of people you need supporting you, the ones that kind of let you, you know, know work out pretty quickly what's best for the for the rider and stuff like that. Well, like I said, it's not like you're, you're 17, you're, you're 27, so you've you've got some good experience behind you now. So that's pretty cool. So um, when's the next coaching session? Uh, Monday. No, yeah. what, day, what day are we on? Uh, on it's Monday. Yeah, it's Monday today. Monday. God. Yeah, so I'm I've on got, holiday. What do I? You know, <laughs> I've, I've lost all track of time. I've got tomorrow afternoon um, with a couple of kids. It's that track with with the jump that claimed my ankle last year. It's a bit more of like a mini bike kids track. So I've got a couple down there tomorrow afternoon. Um, I've got a few at Fat Cats Wednesday. Um, I don't know if I've got something Friday, but Saturday I've got um, a day booked in. I could coach Sunday, but I'm going to put that aside to meet up with Carl Anderson, the suspension guy at Fat Cats, hopefully, just to tidy some things up ready for um, the race, the last race, hopefully, the Alex Ackerman. Cool. So, so in case you, people watching this, when you come to watch this, obviously, as I just mentioned at the start of this, I'm out and about officially on holiday. Actually, having a non-bike related holiday, but yeah. I had to get this done while we're doing it. And um, I'm doing this all through the wonders of 4G through my phone. So and I think you haven't got the best internet connection as well. So apologies if it hasn't, if it's been, been a bit, a bit of buffering and whatnot, but we, we got there before we go or before I go and get some fish and chips or I might get some mussels. <laughs> um, anyway, enough of what I'm having to dinner tonight. And that's, um, I just got to quickly bring it up. You're also you coach obviously varying riders, um, but there's one 
rider in particular that, that's catching an eye at me and and, and um she's a little pocket rocket um mm-hmm. and tell us a little bit about that getting behind that the, the who the rider is and obviously the story the story with travis pastrana yep so that's definitely olivia yeah. reynolds that you're talking about and um i met her two two years ago so she was probably only eight then turned eight years old or a little 50 and uh, obviously booked in for a coping day, never met him before. So I walked over, shook hands, went over to a little Olivia. She was really shy at this time, obviously, didn't know who I was. Um, seen her go on, on track, and I thought, Jesus she, she's got some pahonies, obviously not literally, but she was hanging off the bike, very scrappy, <laughs> very scrappy, and to the point where you just left and like, oh, any minute now. She was going pretty quick. And I'm a I'm a big believer if someone's almost overconfident, it's easier to dilute that slightly and knock some technique into them rather than someone that's just not there to open the throttle and you've got to really get behind them to get some confidence out. I believe that to a point. So I thought, yeah, got, this is impressive. I've never seen a girl hit jumps like that or be prepared to get so out of shape. So obviously... We had a good day that first day, started getting some technique in, actually gripping the bike a little bit with the legs and stuff rather than hanging them up. Uh, and the dad, yeah, got, we got on great as for the family. Olivia warmed to me. She was feeling my hat through the day, just ripping it off my head. You know, she really come out of a shell, which a parent noticed. And I was like, that's, that's really cool. She obviously gets on well with you. So from there, we just did quite a regular thing. Um, I think it was a couple of weeks later, her dad said, oh, she thinks she's ready to race. Uh, you know, I don't know if she's ready to race yet. And I said, she ain't going to be at the back. Like, get her in. Like, get her in a race. And I think her first race, she was inside the top 10 against all the lads. You know, yeah. a, you know a bad result sprinkled in there with a few pressures. But, and it just snowballed. We kept going, got our confidence up. And within the space of a few months, she was winning the race <laughs> against all the lads. You know, and then... yeah. Doing the, the master kids and, you know, sticking it. The last few races on the auto, you could argue on a day she was the fastest in the country. Um, and that, it just happened so quickly. She managed to make the jump yeah. to a 65. Um, again, surprised everyone with how she's took to it. Um, you know, at your event that Wednesday, she proved that she could be out front. I don't think yeah. she was in the in the... But she was, the one, she was the only one in the group in the big finish line jump, you know, out of everyone. She's just got bags of confidence. And now, obviously, my job is to get her to calm down a little bit, actually. She's moving off, riding the bike, look for lines, grip the bike. She's running with great technique, and it's just working out for her. But the funny thing is, she's, from my point, because I, I wouldn't dare do it, but she's willing to do net-handers, flat behind her back, three times over a big tabletop. Land with no hands, take legs off because she loves Travis Pastrana. That's why she runs number one nine nine. One of our coaching days right at the start, I gave her a massive poster that I had of Travis's because um, because I know that she likes that. And when I was in Redwood to watch the Nations, I met Travis and I got I got my phone. Here. Can you record a message for little Olivia? So. She's always been a fan of Travis. And then what happened was at one of my coaching days a few weeks ago, she was doing these new handers. And I, again, I can't believe what I've seen. It was out of nowhere. I said, let me get a couple of videos of you, Olivia, and I'll knock a little bit of a video together on my phone. 
just got her talking at the start without a helmet on, you know, hair and a ponytail, all this, that, and the other. And she said, my, my favourite ride is Travis Pastrana. That's why I run 199. So I knocked this video together. Then the parents sent it to Nitro Circus because they said it would mean a lot if Travis gets this video. Travis watched it. They uploaded it on their social media, Nitro Circus, which gained her a lot of exposure. And then on the comments section, I think Travis tagged Olivia. Instagram page, he did it himself. He said, Look, you're coming out to America, my rant, as soon as this COVID stuff blows over and we'll basically teach you to flip or, you know, just have a have a holiday out here and get some media and video and so soon she's gonna be you know, if she's not known already, she's soon gonna blow up and she does everything that she um that she gets. So it's cool it's cool to be involved with that and I didn't help towards the trip but I, I like to think that helps towards the riding and style and this, that, and the other, and it's working. Oh, absolutely. It's just a cool story, and it's a cool story, yeah. and, you know, yeah, fair play. As You know, so, you know, I know you coach up loads of other riders and stuff as well, but, you know, that's that's got to be a, I would say a, proud, a proud coach moment, that one, I would have thought. Even though, like yeah. you say, it's not motocross, but, you know, just the exposure and all that. So there's certainly – she's certainly uh, one that obviously a lot of, lot of people in the UK and hopefully across the world be – keeping an eye on so I'll, I'll, I'll be watching of interest to see how how she comes along obviously you know with you you, you coaching her and whatnot so that's a cool little byline yeah, yeah. so it's all, it's all it's all seemingly good in in the in the josh spinks world from where i'm sat yeah chilled relaxed and uh enjoy myself that's what it's all about i've got plenty of variety i love a bit of mountain biking trials riding people that follow me on social media might think that I do it in a different way, which I definitely do, but it's the way that I'm happy with and gives me the most important. So that's what I go with, really. Love it. That's what life's about, mate. That's what life's about, which is why I am just going to enjoy myself um, for the rest of the week on holiday. And I say, go and stuff my fat face here at Apple door. Um, It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I will catch up with you some more, hopefully at fat cat. The final yep. round. See you get on. And uh, on behalf of everybody at Dirt Hub, I think just, you know, all the best for the remainder of the year, but then ultimately getting organised and sorted for, for next year. And uh, hopefully next year sometime, Josh, we might actually be able to sit in a van and chat rather than have to do it with crap um, 4G network stuck in North Devon. That would be good. Yeah. My my internet connection is awful. But yeah, any, anything like this, I, I just... I love talking motocross. So anything you've got lined, think of me. Oh, I've got, I've, I've got, I've got another gig that I want you to do further down the line, but I won't, I won't tell everybody what that is now. But yeah, awesome. we'll talk again soon enough, I'm sure. Particularly on some of your ideas and thoughts of the sport going forward. So yeah, that'll be cool. Right, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you go and chill out after blowing up inflatable. No, that sounds terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know what I meant. Doing your, <laughs> if you've just joined the conversation now, go back to the start to understand what I meant with that. Right. I'll leave you to it. Um, catch up with you soon. Nice one, Josh. Yeah. Cheers, dude. See you later. All right. Okay. So there's Josh. He's out of there. Thanks for joining us. Uh, that's me too. Um, as you mentioned, um, I'm going to go and I'm on holiday. I had to do. I had to do this. Just get this one out of the way. Don't know when I'm going to catch up with you next, um, or who that man, next man in the van interviewee is going to be. Um, but we're going to be coming back soon as well in a couple of weeks' time. I think when I um, with another Dirty Talk sh- live show, 
but more about that as we get nearer the time right everybody um stay safe wherever you are in the world um obviously we're still up in the air with all the covid thing or whatever so just be smart and and enjoy what you do get out riding when you can but do it safe and uh you know try to protect others as well right i'm gonna sign off right there